thought we were done. You thought we weren't going to give you a podcast on Christmas Eve, a very special Christmas episode. Come on. This is Fraternity. And welcome to the true final episode of the year. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks for that. Have a good night. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> we wanted to give our first year listeners a special gift, right, Danny? So we kept this little Christmas special under wraps, you could say. Yeah, the best present is the one you aren't expecting. You know, it's after you open all your other presents and then your parents come around the corner with one more present for you. And it just ties it all together. And that's what we're doing here. You know, Hellraiser isn't necessarily the most Christmassy movie, but I think the movie we're talking about tonight might fit a little bit better. Well, the movie we're talking about tonight may not be a Christmas film, but it does have presents. It does have snow. And it has plastic nuts roasting on an open fire. (laughs) If your movie takes place in the winter, I think that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah, and look, we know it's a busy time of year right now, but that's all the more reason for us to give you one last slice of horror-centric audio entertainment. From here on out, we plan to bring you 50 episodes a year. We'll be taking the last week and the first week of each year off. So we hope you can find some time to give the episode a listen over Christmas. But if not, no worries. You'll have an episode to enjoy between now and our season two premiere, which will release on January 14th, 2022. That also gives you two weeks to catch up on any episodes you may have missed. So here we are, our very first Christmas special. The horror genre is not lacking in regards to Christmas-themed movies. We could have dipped our toes in one of the classics like Black Christmas, the Silent Night, Deadly Night series, Gremlins, Krampus, Christmas Evil, or maybe Jack Frost even. Oh no. I'm sure that one day we'll get to all those films. But I wanted to stray from the expected path a bit. For me, reflecting on childhood Christmas memories, nothing is better than being a young boy getting toys. And there is no better horror classic about a boy and his toy than Child's Play. We are taking it back to the original 1988 classic. So Danny, everyone knows Chucky. Everyone has heard of Child's Play. It's still a very active franchise, even just wrapping up its first season as a television series. But had you ever seen the original film? I had not seen the original film, and... Of all the iconic horror villains, Chucky was always the one that just, like, scared me and I wanted nothing to do with. I'm sure I'm not the only one who would wander into a Spencer's Gifts and then see that Chucky doll that was always on display and just be creeped out. I mean, as a kid, I just hated looking at Chucky. I hated thinking about Chucky. (laughs) I wanted nothing to do with Chucky. But as an adult, and finally watching this movie, I can firmly say... I'm a Chucky fan, so it's been a long time coming. It's a bit of character development here, but I do enjoy Child's Play, and I enjoy Chucky. (laughs) Awesome to hear, man. I grew up with the Child's Play films. They were the perfect slasher film for kids. Not that they were actually made for children. I never got into merchandise in regards to the franchise. I never had a Chucky doll at home to torment you with. (laughs) 
I never had shirts, posters. I've just seen these movies countless times. In all honesty, the movie I've seen the least in the franchise is this original film. As a kid, I think that the sequels are definitely more appealing. I'm talking two and three. Not that Bride and Seed are bad, but those came out when I was older, so it's different. I was talking with Danny earlier, I mentioned Bride of Chucky is sort of like the new metal version of the Child's Play series. And I'd say Seed is almost the reality TV version. <laughs> but as I've grown older, I've really come to appreciate the original film. It's fun to see where it all started. I've seen all of the films, and I like them all to varying degrees, and for different reasons. There isn't one that I outright dislike, though I will say not all of them are go-to films for me. The thing I appreciate the most about this original film is how it plays it straight. Of all the pre-2000s films in the series, it's the only one that's a straight horror film. The other ones are horror for sure, but they get campy. They get campier and campier as they go on. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just if you're a kid, and in all honesty, I think 2 is still my favorite, but the campy and colorful sequels are just more fun and work better for a younger audience. The original is campy to a degree, almost by default due to the subject matter, but it's still played as a straight horror film, and I think you enjoy that more as an adult, and it works. Regardless of how much you know about Chucky or the franchise, no matter how many times you've seen the film or seen the sequels, the original has effective sequences of horror that don't lose their impact. I have to say that I became pretty obsessed with this film when Scream Factory released their collector's edition Blu-ray of it a few years ago. We don't discuss behind the scenes here at Fraternity, but I have to say that those discs were loaded with some of the absolute best bonus features. It's just incredibly impressive to look at all of the work that went into bringing Chucky to life for the very first time. And what's more is that the results are equally, if not more, astounding. The work paid off. So. This is our Christmas party. I'm sipping on some eggnog here. Danny's got a drink by his side, so let's have a toast to Child's Play and Chucky. And let's toast to Christmas and New Year's and to boys with their murderous toys. Absolutely. Let's have a toast, get our drink on, and talk about this wonderful movie. Before that, Danny, why don't you tell these fine viewers where they can send us some Christmas well wishes? Of course. You can follow us on Twitter. Our at is at Fraternity. That's at Fraternity. You can like our tweets. We give updates on when the episodes are coming out. That's every Friday is a new episode. And we do YouTube uploads every Wednesday. You know, if you want to keep up to date on what we're doing, go follow us on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. If you go into YouTube, you type in Fraternity. You'll find our YouTube channel where we're uploading previous episodes with a little bit of a visual twist. And you're just going to have to go over there and see. So. Go like, comment, subscribe, click the bell so you get notified on whenever those uploads go up. That's every Wednesday. And you can email us if you have any questions, comments, anything at all. You just want to say hi. Send us Merry Christmas. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. Send us an email and we'll do our best to get back to you. How's our quest for 1,000 downloads by the end of the year going? This episode should help. Yeah, we're closing in on 700, which I gotta say, thank you everyone. We're getting closer and closer every week. 
yeah, hopefully by the end of the year, we will have a thousand downloads. That would just be the ultimate Christmas present for us. That's what we want in a big box. We don't want a good guy doll. We want a thousand <laughs> downloads of our podcast. And it would just mean a lot. You know, this year has just been crazy. You know, it's crazy. Less than six months ago, we weren't even anything. We weren't a podcast. We didn't really have any presence in anywhere on the internet. And now we have a podcast and we're trying to establish ourselves and we're trying to grow our fan base and have an audience to share these movies with and share our opinions with. So if you're a fan of the podcast, tell your friends or family if they're into it. And, you know, when you're sitting roasting Chester's nuts by the fire, why don't you throw on an episode of Fraternity? Because it would help us out. Awesome. And yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's checking us out right now and has been all year. You are honorary brothers and sisters of Fraternity to me if you've taken this journey with us on year one. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, let's get right into it. We open with Detective Norris on foot and in hot pursuit of the Lakeshore Strangler, Charles Lee Ray. We get a shootout as Chucky, as we'll call him from here on out, runs for a waiting van driven by his accomplice, Eddie. Chucky ends up getting shot in the leg, and as a squad car closes in, Eddie decides to cover his own ass and leaves Chucky behind. Chucky ends up breaking into a toy store to hide, and as Norris follows him, we get a nice title card with a display of good guy dolls in the background. In the toy store, Detective Norris puts another round into Chucky, and we see he's starting to bleed out here. And he screams throughout the store of how he's going to get revenge on Norris and Eddie. No matter what! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Brad Dorif, who's a wonderful actor. Hell yeah. Is Charles Lee Ray and is the voice of Chucky. And this is the one time in the film that we do get to see Brad Dorif act as Charles Lee Ray. And... I think he just does it in a way where you're immediately captured and you immediately know what kind of guy Ray is. You know what I mean? Like, you know what kind of guy Chucky is. And it goes a long way in establishing Chucky as a character and just making him more believable. I really got to give my hats off to Brad Dorff, you know, just for making this character really come to life. Yeah, definitely. We can see that he's bleeding horribly here and he ends up collapsing into the display of good guy dolls he's saying how he needs to find a body and he notices one of the dolls and starts to take it out of the box we then witness him perform a voodoo ritual upon the doll and a lightning storm starts building outside and this lightning bolt crashes down into the building and just causes this massive explosion yeah this is number one of two awesome explosions in this film and when I say awesome explosion, I really mean it because this store just gets obliterated. It's like a bomb went off. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely doing some demolition for wherever they were filming a few times. <laughs> I mean, this explosion is so big, it knocks Detective Norris out of the store. <laughs> yeah, he survives, though, and he ends up going back inside and finding the lifeless body of Chucky. But we get this ominous look at the doll's face the next morning we meet young andy barkley cooking breakfast for his mother 
And this is quite the breakfast here. Yeah, Andy is making breakfast in bed for his mom, Karen, and he pours an obscene amount of cereal into this bowl and then even more amount of milk into the bowl to where it's just overflowing and spilling all over the tray. And then he has some toast going in the toaster and it comes out charred black. And then he puts this gigantic glob of butter on the burnt toast. (laughs) I love it in movies when they allow a young child to just do a ridiculous amount of damage. (laughs) Yeah, I really, really enjoy this scene with Andy. And while this is all going on, there's the good guy television cartoon going on in the background. Yeah, let's talk about the good guy stuff. Because Andy is watching the good guy show on television. He's dressed in good guy clothes. Even the cereal he pours is good guy brand. And I think we all had something like this growing up, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely some sort of toy brand, you know, with each generation that was just immensely popular and you just had everything of it, you know? For me, it was Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) I loved the movies. I loved Pee-wee's Playhouse. If I missed Pee-wee's Playhouse, it wrecked my Saturday morning. And I had a Pee-wee Herman doll. Thankfully, my Pee-wee Herman doll didn't come to life and try to kill me. I don't know who's creepier, Chucky or the Pee-wee doll. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a bit of a missed opportunity here that there's no killer Pee-wee Herman doll movie. The possibilities are endless. Well, I just wanted to talk about how much I appreciate all the good guy like lore going on here in this scene because it really does establish and make the good guy brand really feel real. You got to think that whole cartoon was animated, you know, that good guy cartoon, someone animated that and they wrote the catchy theme song for it that's playing throughout this scene. And then the box design of the good guy dolls is really eye-catching. And it just goes a long way, like these little details that make, I think this is the reason, you know, I was really thinking about it. Like, why is Chucky, you know, he is so popular and well-known and he's really established himself in pop culture. And I think this scene is that reason, or at least a part of it, because they really did go out of their way to make the good guy's brand feel real and feel real in this universe and feel like you could actually go out and get a good guy doll. It isn't just some nameless doll. I think it makes Chucky scarier because the good guy dolls are supposed to be good and a nice toy. And when you take Chucky and he becomes evil, I think it just works way better. Yeah, they really do bring the good guy craze, you could say, to life. Andy wakes up his mother in bed with that killer breakfast. And not long after that, we're off to opening Andy's presents. Because we learn it's Andy's birthday today. And when Andy goes to open his present, we see a news report about the death of Charles Lee Ray, but Andy's mom mutes it. I like that world building too, you know, like you see the Charles Lee Ray stuff in the background. Yeah, it it makes the movie feel whole, you know, all this interconnected stuff. You know, I think this scene is really underrated in all the lore that it really brings to the table and it makes... The movie just feel real, and I think it goes a long way in making the movie believable, and I think you have to do that if you want to make a child's 
doll turned killer able to stay on its own. And I think that's why Chucky is such a pop culture icon. So Andy rips into the big box and unfortunately he finds clothes. Specifically a pair of jeans. (laughs) And these are some thrift store jeans. And why these jeans were in this gigantic box is a mystery we may never know. We can see the disappointment on Andy's face. His mom tells him to open the smaller gift. And he ends up getting a good guy tool set. (laughs) And he tells his mom he wants a good guy doll. But she explains that she just couldn't afford it at the moment. Another thing about this scene that I really appreciate too is it really establishes Andy and his mom Karen's living and economic situation with through mostly visual storytelling. Like we do see here that Andy is awake before his mom. And then when he wakes her up, we see that she is a single parent. There is no father in the situation, as we can assume. And we're just left to presume that, yeah, she probably worked late night the night before and is trying to get her sleep because she says she's tired when Andy tries to wake her up. And we see that, yeah, she is taking care of Andy on her own. And then when he opens his presents, we do see the disappointment that he didn't get the toy that he wanted. So in this short couple minute scene, we establish that Andy and Karen are in the best of situations, but Karen is really trying her best for her child. It's done in a way where it's not obvious, you know, we don't need a scene where Andy is like crying about how he's poor or how he misses his father or something like that. It's just very subtle and I think it really pushes their relationship further and makes it more, again, more believable. I think this scene is really great at just establishing the characters, establishing the lore and the good guy craze, as you said, and I think it's really well done. Yeah, we'll learn a little bit later on that I do believe that Karen is a widow because Andy tells his mom at one point that Chucky said he's an angel sent down from heaven by his daddy. Right. And there's also a picture of who I assume is the father in the living room. But then that line, too, is just kind of, it's almost throwaway, you know? It's almost like blink and you miss it kind of thing, so... I just appreciate that it's more subtle and it isn't shoved down our throat like, we're poor, Andy, you know I can't afford the good guy doll. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. It's really well done. Later on, we see Karen working at a jewelry counter and her friend Maggie comes by and tells her a peddler is behind the store and has the good guy doll she's been looking for. So they go out there and we learn that the good guy doll is $100 and they haggle with the peddler and get the price down to 30 And Karen is more than happy to buy the doll. But we see that Maggie is the real Karen here because she can't help but argue with this peddler. <laughs> yeah, Maggie is like, how do we know this isn't stolen? And then the peddler's like, steal this! And he points at his crotch. <laughs> I think I dated him. I like Maggie. She's a, a nice uh, contrast to the, the pure-hearted Karen here. <laughs> yeah, she's fun. When the women return to the jewelry counter, they're confronted by this uppity supervisor about their unauthorized break. And he tells Karen that someone has called in sick and she has to cover for them. And it's a tough situation being Andy's birthday and all, but 
Karen has no choice but to comply with the demands here, and Maggie tells her she'll watch Andy. And we get a funny little cat fight here between Maggie and this supervisor, where she says it'll be the hottest date I had in months. And the guy is like, I can't imagine why. <laughs> so Karen is able to take a couple hours off to pick Andy up from school. And we watch as they get home and she surprises him with the good guy doll. And Andy pulls him out of the box and he speaks to his new best friend. And we get the classic reply. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend till the end. Heidi ho ha-ha-ha. Heidi ho <laughs> I always wonder how Charles E. Ray knows what to say, though. <laughs> it is a mystery. I, my headcanon is like, once he's in the doll, he knows what he has to say <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> Later that night, we see Maggie watching the house as Andy plays with Chucky in the living room. And we see a news break on the television that says Eddie, the accomplice, has escaped custody. And as this is shown on the TV, we notice the Chucky doll turn his attention towards it. Yeah, I like Andy's like, Chucky, you're not watching me. And then Chucky turns his head back to Andy. <laughs> hey, wanna play? <laughs> <laughs> we then hear Maggie tell Andy that it's time for him to go to bed. And we see Andy lean in close to Chucky as if he's whispering something to him. And Andy's like, Aunt Maggie, Chucky says he wants to watch the 9 o'clock news. <laughs> but Maggie just brushes this off, thinking it's just some ploy that Andy is trying to stay up a little bit later. So she picks up Andy and Chucky and throws them off to bed. Yeah, we see Andy brushing his teeth as Maggie works in the kitchen, and she's suddenly startled when the television blares back to life. And what does she see when she looks in the living room? The Chucky doll sitting there watching the 9 o'clock news. She assumes that Andy did this, and she grabs him out of the bathroom and takes him and the doll to the bedroom to tuck them in. And a little later, as Maggie reads in the living room, we see Andy's door open. And now we're going to get some POV shots of someone very short moving around the apartment. Maggie hears noises and sees something out of the corner of her eye. And as she goes to inspect, she eventually winds up in the kitchen. And in there, she finds a spilled jar of flour on the countertop and on the floor. At that moment, the phone rings and Maggie answers. And it's just Karen checking in on her. And Karen notices that Maggie seems startled and questions her. But Maggie shrugs it off to home alone jitters. At the same time, we see someone grab the good guy tool set hammer. So after the phone call, Maggie is sweeping up the flower when she turns around and is startled by something. And we see her take a whack from the hammer right to the face. And as she stumbles backwards and trips, she falls out of the window and takes a nasty multi-story fall right into a truck below. This, I love how this scene really keeps inching you on and plays with your expectations. Like you're always waiting for Chucky to pop out. And then when he does finally pop out, it's like a millisecond and then the kill is over. You know what I mean? It's just like so quick. <laughs> yeah, you don't even get to see him in this one. Yeah, these first two kills really don't feature Chucky on screen all that much. And they do have 
a little bit of that classic slasher flavor to him where everything is kind of happening in the shadows and you're kind of focused on the victim more than the killer here, which I think is really interesting to really keep Chucky out of the limelight for the first 30 minutes here. But I think it's done well and I think it's effective. I think you nailed it on the head when you said this film feels more like a typical horror movie and not so much into the camp with these, especially with these two kills. I think that's what they were definitely going for, but I enjoy it. I think it works really well. Yeah, I do too. Karen arrives home to find her apartment complex swarming with cops. So she runs to her apartment to find Andy and cops are in there collecting evidence and just documenting the scene. And she finds Andy in his room with Detective Norris. Eventually, Norris informs her that her friend Maggie has died from a fall out of the window. And when showing her the crime scene, he points out the small footprints in the flower on the countertop. And I think the insinuation is that maybe Andy was involved. Yeah, she's like, you know, what are you trying to say? And Mike's like, who knows? You know, they're just tiny footprints. But there is definitely some suspicion with Andy and Andy even comes out and Mike takes a look at the bottom of his shoes and it's like oh good guy PJ sneakers (laughs) (laughs) yeah we get a few great bits here where Andy can be seen in the background or he walks in but it's pretty clear he's being directed by Chucky he even says Chucky wants to know what's going on I like how the protective mother and Karen quickly shuts Norris's line of questioning down and just tells them to leave. But back in the bedroom, Andy notices the flower stains on the bottom of Chucky's shoes. And he runs out to tell his mom and the detective before he does leave. But of course, this is an impossible situation. And I love situations in horror films like this where you can't possibly hope to rationally explain this to any reasonable person, especially when you're a little kid. Yeah, it's one thing when you're trying to tell someone there's a killer doll. It's another thing when you're four or five years old and really no one's going to believe anything you say at all. (laughs) So it really is this perfect mix that just blends so well into this horror slasher film. The detectives leave, and in the elevator we see that Norris has bagged the hammer as evidence and gives it to his partner. And afterwards, Karen is washing her face, and she hears Andy talking in his room. But this isn't some normal play talking. It sounds like he's conversing with someone. Yeah, and Karen enters the room, and she asks Andy who he's been talking to this whole time. And then Andy innocently replies that he's been talking to Chucky, and that Chucky's been telling him all sorts of things. And Chucky has told Andy that his real name is... Charles Lee Ray. And then Chucky has also said to Andy that he was sent from heaven by his father to play with him. Chucky also told him one of the best lines in the movie when Andy says, Chucky said that Aunt Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that line's hilarious. And it's just coming from the innocent rose-cheeked Andy is just perfect, you know? (laughs) It's just so funny. One thing that's great here is we're about 30 minutes in now, and we have not seen Chucky animated in any way. And it's really fun, because we hear Andy talking about 
this conversation he's been having with Chucky. And after we've seen the whole movie, like in retrospect, you can think about it and just imagine what was really happening, you know? Yeah, clearly Chucky was trying to play Andy here and try to, you know, coerce him and manipulate him. Yeah, after Andy delivers that great line, Karen rightfully kind of freaks out on him because clearly Karen has no reason to believe this either. And she's telling Andy to stop lying. And Andy plays along since he's in a no-win situation. So Karen tucks him and the doll into bed. And once she leaves, Andy tries to talk to Chucky. But we see the doll is aware that Karen is still standing outside the door. And so he replies to Andy with one of his preset lines to throw her off the trail. Yeah, I really love uh, when Karen is questioning Andy and it's like, why would you say something so terrible about your Aunt Maggie? And innocently replies, I didn't say it, Chucky did. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're talking about a movie that features the soul of a serial killer trapped in a doll. But this next bit is my least favorite sequence in the film. It's just a bridge too far for me. Even with everything going on in the film, I just struggle to buy it. Because Andy and Chucky skip out on school and take public transit to the gritty side of Chicago. And Chucky is directing Andy, and they're traveling to the hideout where Chucky anticipates finding Eddie and killing him. Yeah, and this isn't a bad part. Of the neighborhood, to say the least, you know, there's vagrants all around when they get off the train. And I agree, it does go a little far, and it almost breaks your suspension of disbelief a little bit, especially seeing Andy, who's literally not much bigger than a good guy doll on the train (laughs) alone. But at the same time, I think it's so absurd that I'm okay with it. It's just like... Funny, and I could totally buy that no one would even care if they saw this kid on the train alone. They're just like, uh, whatever. <laughs> Different times, I guess, right? So Chucky does find Eddie squatting in some rat infested shithole, and he ends up blowing out the pilot light on the stove and turns the gas on. And after Eddie is startled by some sounds, he ends up firing his gun in the house. And here comes the second massive explosion in this film. This house is just obliterated (laughs) when Eddie comes through the door and fires a shot. And the gas in the air caused this gigantic explosion. And this house is just no more. It's It's just wood and foundation and walls and roof and shingles. It's... Like if you dropped a Lego set. It's just completely destroyed. More importantly, Eddie is no more. (laughs) Right, and Eddie is long gone too. So one half of Chucky's revenge has been fulfilled. I will say, if there's one thing I would knock about this first film, it is these little detours that involve Charles Lee Ray wrapping up his loose ends. We get two more of them later on, but they're a little more fun than this i think and the next two films become more singularly focused on andy and that's where this movie is at its best too again i appreciate the fact that this film plays it straight in the horror department with that said it's still difficult to overlook some of the logistical problems in regards to these sequences especially when andy's dragged along 
I definitely think Child's Play is definitely at a high point when it involves Chucky and Andy. But in a minute here, this movie is going to shift from Chucky and Andy to Chucky and Karen. And Karen's going to kind of take the limelight for the next half hour. And I think it works. I'll talk a little bit more later on why I think it all works out in the end. Okay. But I definitely see your point. Yeah, I don't mind when Karen takes the lead at all. It's just these little excursions that drop the ball a little bit for me. When I when he first went to school, I thought he was going to like do some shit at the school. But then when he leaves, I'm like, "Okay, well, that's not what I expected." <laughs> <laughs> Karen enters a police station and finds Detective Norris. We see his partner talking with Andy in an interrogation room. Karen enters and tells Andy that he needs to tell the truth or else they're going to take him away from her. And Andy shakes Chucky, and he's trying to get Chucky to tell the truth and talk. And Chucky delivers another program line, and like Andy punches Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Andy's anger here. Like He's like... He told me he'd kill me if I told anyone the truth. <laughs> He's doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's like Andy's really pleading here, trying to get Chucky to talk, but he just comes off as crazy. We then hear the voice of a doctor who's been watching all of this from the two-way mirror. And he tells Karen he's seen enough and he thinks it's best if Andy goes to the hospital for a few days. So we see Karen arrive home alone with Chucky. And she sits him down on the couch and demands that he speak to her. And he does his little blink and turn of the head and delivers the I like to be hugged line. <laughs> so Karen enters the kitchen and she looks at the box. And all of a sudden, the batteries that came with the doll fall out on the floor. Such a perfect oh shit moment, you know? Because immediately Karen is off but She's like, this fucking doll has been talking and these batteries are right here. So now Karen has to go over and grab the Chucky doll and very tensely check the back of it to see if there are any batteries in it or not. And sure enough, there are no batteries inside Chucky. And as soon as she finds out this information, Chucky turns his head 180 degrees and then says one of his preset lines, which absolutely startles Karen, and she drops Chucky on the ground. Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> he delivers it pretty aggro, right? <laughs> Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta think, Chucky knows he's in trouble, too. <laughs> yeah, he realized, he's like, as much as it's an oh shit moment for her, it's an oh shit moment for him, too, right? Yeah, both parties are at the edge here like, shit, one of us has got to do something. So like you said, she drops the doll and it rolls under the couch. And she retrieves it and starts demanding that it speak. And Karen walks over to the fireplace and lights it up. And she threatens the doll with being tossed into fire. And this is where we see Chucky come to life for the first time. And boy, is this one vulgar doll. You stupid bitch, you filthy slut, I'll teach you to fuck with me! <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you to fuck with me! <laughs> what were your thoughts when he first came to life? It's just perfect. I just love how 
as soon as his life was in danger, Chucky just blows all his cover and is like, you fucking slut. <laughs> and just starts attacking Karen. Like, yeah, he's stuck. Like, he, there's nowhere for him to go at that point except become aggro with her. It's awesome. And it's, it, it, it's such a good buildup, too. You know, this is almost like 40 minutes into the movie before we do see Chucky animate on his own for the first time. And it's a great payoff. I love it every time. It's funny. It's also scary. It's just, it, 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 it treads that line so carefully. Yeah, he's beating on her with his little plastic hands. And he even bites her with the little teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he is trapped in a doll's body, though, so Karen just hurls him across the room. <laughs> yeah, I love she just throws him. Instead of going after her, though, Chucky runs out of the apartment and just leaves. And Karen chases after him, but he's in the elevator, and she's unable to stop it or keep up with it. So Chucky escapes, and Karen ends up going to the station to find Detective Norris. And she starts to tell him the far-out tale of Chucky and the batteries. But of course, Norris isn't going to buy this from an adult either, right? Right, yeah. Detective Norris just brushes this off, too, just thinking like, oh, like, you know, he's probably thinking that she's trying to get her son back, which I think is plausible, you know? I would think the same thing, like, oh, you're just lying so you can get your son back because your son got himself into this situation. Yeah, that's how I read it, too. When she starts to leave, he asks her where she's going, and she tells him about the peddler and how she's going to ask where he got the doll. And of course, Detective Norris follows because he can't let Karen get in over her head on the bad side of town. And Karen does find the peddler, and we get this brief hobo camp attempted rape scene before Detective Norris saves the day. Yeah, she finds the peddler, she, uh bought the good guy doll from and he asks her like you know what do you got for the information that you're asking for and what she has isn't enough and she's like that's all i got and then all you got creepily you got a lot you got a lot (laughs) you got a lot no you got a lot (laughs) just as he's about to commit some sexual assault here detective norris comes and saves the day and knees this vagrant in the nutsack Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. (laughs) Hey, it is our Christmas special, all right? Yeah, Norris tells the peddler to spill the beans, and the peddler says he got the doll from the address that Norris recognizes as the toy store where he killed Charles Lee Ray, or so he thinks. And we're going to get a little back and forth between Karen and Norris here before he takes her home. And after an argument, Norris removes her from the car. Because he loses his cool when Karen insinuates that Chucky is coming for him next. Yeah, Karen has put two and two together and it's like, you know, I've realized that Charles Lee Ray is Chucky and still Detective Norris is just like, okay, this bitch is crazy. Get out of my car. (laughs) You know, Norris does stop by the station to pull the file on Charles Lee Ray before going home, though. And as he drives home, he is attacked by Chucky. And Chucky wraps some cable around his neck and strangles him from the back seat. And Norris mashes the gas and the car drives erratically as he fights for his life. We get some Looney Tunes action when Chucky is like stabbing the knife through the driver's seat. And (laughs) Detective Norris has to like position his body in 
a many which away to dodge these these stabbings. <laughs> yeah, the strangulation attempt fails because Norris rams a cigarette lighter into Chucky's face. And yeah, at first he's stabbing through the back of the seat as Norris is still weaving dangerously through traffic. But then the knife starts penetrating through the bottom of the seat, and Norris's balls are in mortal danger, huh? <laughs> Chestnuts roasting <laughs> on an open fire. <laughs> a lot of nut, a lot of nuts in danger in this film. Charles E. Ray don't play. It never said what he strangled. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Chucky abandons the stabbing attempt, though, and opts to just mash down on the gas pedal. You have to figure he would survive the crash, so why not, right? Yeah, at that point, what else are you going to do except crash? <laughs> After scraping along a tunnel, the car hits a dumpster and ends up flipping upside down. And this is the first 80s car we get in Fraternity that doesn't automatically explode. GTA rules don't apply when this car is flipped over. <laughs> I like how Chucky taunts Norris as he circles the vehicle in search of an opportune moment to pounce. And he even tells You can't hurt me! Right, he tells Norris he can't be hurt or killed. But when Norris shoots him, he clearly is hurt and ends up running away. Right, so we know something is going on with Chucky here when he does get shot and clearly it hurt him. And clearly that cigarette lighter burn on his face hurt him too when he was screaming even if he doesn't want to admit it yet <laughs> the next day we see karen paying off a super in order to enter the apartment of charles lee ray and now here's an apartment frank zito and Candyman can love right <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah we got dolls weird art sculptures mannequins a table with mannequin legs but most important the walls are painted with murals featuring all kinds of ritualistic voodoo crap yeah and they're just this mural just covers the entire apartment from wall to wall oh thank you mighty dumbala for life after death norris sneaks up on karen and informs her that charles e ray's nickname was chucky and he also reveals an accomplice a man named john bishop who is the voodoo priest we see in the mural and right after that we cut to john bishop in his kitchen when he is startled by chucky and he immediately realizes this is Charles E. Ray, wouldn't you say? Yeah, John immediately knows because Chucky was always using, you know, his teachings for evil. You know, John, I used to not believe you when you talked about that life after death crap, but not now. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get some really great puppeteering here or whatever with the Chucky doll here. Yeah, Chucky's upset because he was injured, and he needs an explanation from John. And John informs him that he's turning human, that the longer he remains in the doll, the more human it becomes. And Chucky also wants to know how to get out of the doll and into another body. But John is reluctant to help because, like you said, he tells Chucky he's evil and has perverted his teachings. You're an abomination. <laughs> Unfortunately for John, Chucky knows where he keeps his personal voodoo doll. Which I don't know why you would ever tell your customers where you keep your own personal voodoo doll, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, Chucky starts by snapping one of his legs. Pretty gruesome. Yeah, we get an awesome seeing a leg bend the incorrect <laughs> way and John falls <laughs> to the ground in pain. He then snaps an arm. Finally, 
John pleads with Chucky and tells him he'll tell him what to do next. And John tells him he has to transfer his soul into the first person he ever told that he was actually human. And of course, the person Chucky first told that he was human wouldn't be none other than Andy. I'm gonna be six years old again, John. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Chucky? I'm not sure. (laughs) I think we'd get a murderous child movie if he got through with, if he was able to transfer his soul. Now that's a spinoff I'd love to see. (laughs) But of course you can't trust Chucky, even if you give him the information he seeks, right? Right. Chucky gives... A fatal blow to John by stabbing the voodoo doll in the chest with a knife, and John is dying here. Yeah, Detective Norris and Karen arrive as John bleeds out on the floor, and he tells Karen they have to protect the boy. And he also tells them the only way to kill Chucky is to destroy his heart. His heart is almost human. (laughs) (laughs) So after this, we see Andy at the hospital. And outside of his window, he notices Chucky entering the complex, and he cries for help. But his pleas fall on deaf ears as no one believes him. I just want to give props to all the ways that the production team made Chucky seem real, whether it be puppeteering or stop motion or having a little person in a Chucky costume. Like we see here when he's crawling up the stairs. Yeah, it's great. It all goes a long way in making Chucky really feel real and feel alive. And it's all blended together seamlessly. So I wanted to just, you know, stop and appreciate that because, yeah, we do see Chucky coming up the stairs and it's obviously a guy in a costume, but it works well. Yeah, like I said, the bonus features on my Blu-ray of this are just top-notch in showing you everything they went through, whether it was creating the dolls, up to the puppeteering. Really fantastic work all around by everyone involved in this film. And you have to give it its respect because it's the first time, you know? Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, they had to make all those good guy doll boxes, you know? They had to make probably multiple good guy dolls, you know? It's just... it. It shows a commitment that, you know, unconsciously, I think you appreciate. And I think that's why we latch on the Chucky, because it is a labor of love. Well said. We see Chucky enter the room after stealing a set of keys. But Andy pulls the old pillow under a blanket gag on him. (laughs) Yeah, I like Chucky crawling up on the bed and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going to stab him and then he and he reveals the sheets and then it's just a pillow poor charles lee ray he fell for the old trick <laughs> andy escapes into the hospital and runs through the building but eventually the doctor stops him in a room and attempts to sedate him and andy is pleading with him as we see chucky is in there i think we also had a scene where chucky like dive bombed andy in this room they have a bit of a scuffle here <laughs> But we see Chucky grab a scalpel and stab this doctor in the leg. He then throws some shock treatment headgear on him and turns it on. And we get to watch as this doctor smokes, his face is turning black, and blood is pouring from his eyes and mouth. Pretty grisly kill. Yeah, it's some simple makeup and effects, but it, it works. It's fun. Yeah, Karen and 
Detective Norris are just a step behind at this point, and we see them arrive at the hospital. And Norris talks to his partner while Karen talks to a little girl, and she figures out that Chucky was there. And she tells Norris that Andy would go home if there was trouble. So here we go, heading into the climax now. Yeah, we see that Andy is just a bit ahead of Chucky, who's chasing him. And Andy gets into the apartment. And he barricades the door, and he hides himself in the closet before finding a bat. And then Andy chooses violence, and he's ready for Chucky at a moment's notice (laughs) as he wields this bat. We get a brief shot of an old couple riding on an elevator, and they notice the Chucky doll. And the old lady makes a quip about the doll being ugly. And as the elevator keeps going up after they exit, we get a nice comedic... Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. You know, there's these little bits of comedy spruced throughout this horror flick that obviously stuck with people and turned Child's Play and Chucky into a franchise. Hell yeah. So we see Chucky enter the apartment through the fireplace. We get some nice Chucky stalking here with the knife and seeing his shadow on the floor. But he finds Andy, and a chase ensues. And Chucky winds up knocking Andy out with the bat in the living room. And while Andy's laying there unconscious, we see Chucky begin to perform the voodoo soul-swapping ritual. And around the same time, Karen and Detective Norris arrive. And they get into the apartment just in time to interrupt the ritual. They toss Chucky aside to rescue Andy, and Detective Norris ends up taking a knife slash to the leg, and he gives Karen a gun as he goes to pursue Chucky. He enters the master bedroom and gets attacked while looking under the bed. Chucky beats Norris with the bat, but is shot by Karen before finishing him off. And after that shot, the gun jams, and Chucky gives chase to Karen. And I just want to say, it's so funny how Chucky just goes flying whenever he gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. I just love how he gets, he gets blown away multiple times (laughs) in this climax here. It's awesome. Chucky attacks Karen in the living room as Andy watches on. And she gets the upper hand when she tosses him into the fireplace and she blocks it with the grate. And she's struggling to get the matches as Chucky pounds on the grate to get out. So she asks Andy for help as he watches on, paralyzed by fear. But eventually he jumps into action and grabs the match. And as he strikes it, Chucky looks up and pleads, Andy, we're friends till the end, remember? And then Andy (laughs) gets a one-liner here. This is the end, friends. (sighs) And then Chucky is lit on fire and burned alive. And the plastic melts off of him. <laughs> yeah, Chucky straight gets engulfed in flame here. We get a great burn sequence as he stumbles through the living room in flames, tumbling over the couch before squirming to death on the floor. Karen and Andy go to the bedroom to help Detective Norris. And when Andy is sent to the kitchen to retrieve a first aid kit, he notices that Chucky is no longer where they thought he died. So he cautiously heads back to the bedroom, but he gets tripped by Chucky, and we see the charred and smoking remains of Chucky. He's like, hello, Andy, as he starts to stalk him. (laughs) I love 
the makeup or I don't know what else you would call it on the Chucky doll with his melted plastic all over him. He's just black, just pitch black and just melted face. Like, it's awesome. If you weren't scared of Chucky before, you're scared of him now when he looks just absolutely beat with this burning plastic on him yeah he's smoking too like that's another little detail i really love is like he's still smoking he's so hot (laughs) i also love how desperate chucky is at this point because as he tries to get into the bedroom he's telling karen give me the boy and i'll let you live like he'll make a deal at this point just to get out of his body yeah, I really love that too. Like he's willing to do anything. He's like, just give me the boy. Like that's all I want. Like you gotta imagine it's a living hell being in this doll's body. <laughs> we get a great bit of cat and mouse between bedroom entrances because there's a main door and a bathroom door. And Karen has to hold the bathroom door shut as Chucky stabs the knife through it multiple times. And he even ends up stabbing her through her hand. He then runs back to the main door and he gets in, but they go running out through the bathroom as he chases them. And in the hall, Karen pulls Norris's other gun out and begins to shoot Chucky. And one of the shots blows Chucky's head clean off. (laughs) (laughs) She blows one of his arms off, a leg off, and eventually he's nothing more than a charred torso with two appendages. Yet he continues to squirm around on the floor. And then she puts two rounds in the chest as Norris's partner arrives. They all head to the bedroom, and Norris attempts to explain the situation. And his partner ends up grabbing Chucky's head and bringing it into the bedroom. But with this done, Chucky is able to direct his body into the room. And bursting through the vent, Chucky's body grabs the partner by the throat. And the partner manages to break the doll's grip and toss the body across the room. And Norris fires one final shot through Chucky's chest, and the shot penetrates the heart as we see blood splatter on the wall as Chucky goes flying one more time. (laughs) I love that blood splatter when Mike finally gets a shot through Chucky's heart, and then again the doll falls backwards. It's awesome. Brilliant stuff. Chucky delivers the wanna pour line one final time before dying with his melted face (laughs) the four survivors realize it's gonna be a tall task to get anyone to believe their insane story and andy takes one last look at his coveted toy and that's the end of our movie yeah i really love in this final scene when yeah detective norris is like he says to his partner, you know, do you believe me now? And his partner says, yeah, I believe you, but who's going to believe me? And there's just this aspect of the burden of truth with the characters in this film that I really enjoy. And it is really realistic, you know, as realistic as you can be in a killer doll movie. But it's like, yeah, like whoever encounters Chucky is all of a sudden has this monumental task of making someone else believe that. Chucky is real and tried to kill me. And it's just interesting. It's like, yeah, like, what is going to happen to these people after, you know, they survive this attack? Like, how can you explain all this away if you can't get anyone to admit into believing that a killer doll was on the loose? So that's Child's Play, Danny. Got any final thoughts? 
Yeah, like I said, it's a great film. I think it's paced really well. I think it has interesting kills. I do appreciate all the world building and lore that go into the good guy dolls and Chucky and Charles Lee Ray. And I love that it establishes Andy and Karen, their situation, their kind of family aspect. Um, I do like Detective Norris, even though he's pretty simple of a character. He's kind of, you know, a good cop and it takes him a while to come onto their side until he's had his own experience with Chucky. But I do think his actor does a good job and he's believable. I do like him as a character. And yeah, I think it's a solid movie. It's really good. I really enjoy this film. And of course, I love Chucky. I love everything that goes into making Chucky feel real and feel authentic. And it wasn't an easy task. I don't think at all it was an easy task into making Chucky feel believable. I think it'd be easy to just say here's a killer doll and that's it but they really didn't do that they really took their time and tried to craft good guy dolls and chucky into being this believable thing and my hat is off to them you know all the production in this film i think it they did fantastic so that's where my love goes to and so yeah i love this movie it's awesome awesome man so did you find yourself a christmas special favorite kill my favorite kill It might be a bit weird. I don't know, because I don't think any of the kills are necessarily like the goriest or the best or the most scary. You know, I think the kills are all pretty equal and they're a bit sparse. But my favorite kill, I'm going to have to go with Maggie falling out of the uh, apartment window. Cool. I think the build up here, I think it's done really well. It's paced really well and you get a couple of fake out scares. And then finally, when Chucky does attack, it's immediately, here's a hammer to the eye, you fell out the window, now you're dead. It's so quick, it happens in less than five seconds, and then it's over. And it's just like, holy shit, that was crazy, and it comes when you least expect it, and I really appreciate it. And, I don't know, falling out of building, that's just a, that's just a <laughs> cool kill to me. Good choice. How about you, Sean? Favorite kill? I think it's fairly undisputed. That Chucky always gets the best deaths in all of the films. And this first one is as good as any. The burnt to a crisp Chucky design is one of the best looks he ever gets. It's incredible to look at. Super effective. Super creepy. It's worth watching the rest of the film just to see these effects. He's set ablaze. We get an awesome burn. He's dismembered with bullets. Getting his head blown clean off. He loses an arm and a leg and just keeps crawling. Then the final nail in the coffin when they finally shoot him in the heart and you see blood splatter against the wall and a doll go flying backwards one final time. (laughs) Chucky it is for me, man. (laughs) And probably will be each and every time we watch one of these movies. Hey, that's fair. And I totally probably would have picked Chucky too. But, you know, I do appreciate the Maggie kill. I really do. Yeah, it's a great fall. We really get an actress falling out of a window there, too. There's some great money behind effects and stunts in this movie. Yeah, again, I just think the production and all the behind the scenes stuff really knocks it out of the park here and making Child's Play a step above anything else. So I appreciate it. So how about a favorite scene? My favorite scene, it's tough. 
but I think I got to go with when Karen is alone with the Chucky doll and is trying to get it to talk. Okay, that's going to be mine too. <laughs> cool. Well, again, I think the build up to this is awesome. You know, it's 30 minutes without really seeing the Chucky doll ever be reanimated. We're only given implications of it through Andy. And then finally, when Karen is threatening to throw Chucky into the fires when he comes alive and is like, you stupid bitch, you know, he just lets loose all formality and is just screaming at her and just starts attacking her (laughs) and biting her. It's just a perfect introduction to the Chucky that we know and love. And it fits so well. It's well executed. It couldn't have come a more perfect time. I love it. It just works. Yeah, for me, it comes down to those batteries falling out of the box. Because like I've done multiple times, I applaud this movie for playing the horse straight. And this bit is the pinnacle of those efforts. I don't care how many times you've seen this movie, if you've seen all the Chucky films, this is tense shit, and it just works. It's just the perfect oh shit moment. Like you said, it's like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. And then Karen goes to confirm her suspicions. And we get that fantastic jump scare where Chucky turns his head around and he's like, Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? (laughs) What can you even do? And yeah, not to mention this leads into the first scene ever, ever of Chucky truly coming to life and delivering all that filthy dialogue. They say the classics (laughs) never go out of style. And in regards to this scene, it's true. (laughs) Well, that was child's play. And with that, This truly is the end of Fraternity Season 1. It is, and I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we will see you all right back here on January 14th for the beginning of our first full year. Again, that's January 14th, so mark your calendars. I'm very meticulous, and I and Danny can assure you we have so much planned and in the works for you you don't want to miss it absolutely yeah like thank you for everyone who's ever just given the time and listened to us and is listening to us right now we really appreciate it and we can't say enough you know we really can't put it into words how much it means to us and yeah i just want to say thank you sean for the meticulous planning and he's the one who came up with this secret last episode of the finale I think you guys will enjoy it. I don't know. I'll know when the episode comes out. But <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And uh, thank you again. Definitely. And I hope you to- you tune in for the next season of Fraternity. Because yeah, it's going to be all that you love and more. And that's all I can really say. And you just got to stay tuned. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And thank everybody again, sincerely. It means the world to us to have such a fantastic first half of a year. And we look forward to delivering the goods with our fond memories and fresh perspectives all year long. So long, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And good night. See you next time.